0: The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 13, verses 54 to 58. Jesus entered his hometown and taught in their synagogue. As a result, the people were amazed and said, Where did this fellow get this wisdom and these miracles? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas his brothers? And aren't all of his sisters here with us? Where then did this fellow get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own house. He did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. So that we don't start off too negative Let's start at the end. We're going to start with the best of St. James and work our way backward. Would you agree that this man, St. James, has a strong faith, a fervent faith in our Savior Jesus? St. James was living in Jerusalem and according to a couple of reliable historians, the governor actually kind of liked St. James and protected him. But then that governor was replaced by another one who hated James and Christians in general and the new governor ordered James to be killed by stoning. And according to these early historians James died without wavering in his Christian faith. He died for his savior without even flinching. Would you agree that's a a strong fervent faith in our Savior. A few years earlier, there was a massive famine in and around Israel, and James was among the Christian leaders who organized a worldwide, or at least a Mediterranean-wide, offering to feed orphans and widows in Israel who otherwise probably would have starved to death. Would you agree that kind of compassion and effort for people in need, that reflects a, A very strong, very fervent faith in our Savior. A few years before that, there was a question in the early Christian church, a question that was turning into a controversy and threatening to rip that early church apart at the seams. As the gospel of Jesus was spreading farther and farther, there were more and more Gentiles who were converting to Christianity. They were coming to faith in Christ, and that was great, but it led to this question, do these Gentile converts, you know, these New Testament Gentile Christians, do they have to keep all of the laws that God gave to Moses and the Israelites back in the Old Testament? And there were some people who said, yeah, they got to keep all of them. The worship laws, the dietary laws, the whole thing there were others who said, no, that's not really practical, but they should keep the big ones. Like they should worship on the Sabbath day, their boys should be circumcised, they shouldn't eat any pork. You know, the big laws they should keep. And then there were others who said, no, those laws were for Moses and the Israelites in the Old Testament. These Gentiles, they don't have to keep any of them. And that was the right answer. And James knew that was the right answer. As a Jewish Christian, though, James also understood that there were certain laws from the Old Testament. If Jewish Christians saw Gentiles violating these laws, those Jewish Christians would be deeply disturbed and put off. So St. James said correctly, no, the Gentiles don't have to keep any of those laws, but simply out of deference and respect for the Jewish Christians, they should voluntarily keep some of them. And it was at the leadership, it was under James' leadership at the Jerusalem Council that they agreed that's what they would do. It became the practice of the early Christian church and it it helped to hold the church together and move it forward in unity and in harmony. And that kind of of leadership, loving, patient leadership, is is also a a sign of a a fiery faith in our Savior Jesus. Years before that, there was a, a new missionary a new apostle who came onto the scene in the Christian church. His name was St. Paul. Not long earlier, he was named Saul, and he was a persecutor of Christians. Because Paul was new, and because he used to persecute Christians, there were some who questioned whether he could really be an apostle, and whether he should be given the authority of an apostle. Now at that point, you see, St. James had a choice. He could demean St. Paul. He could say, no, he's not an apostle. And if James did that, he would be lifting up his own power and his own prominence and importance. Or James could say, yes, Paul came late, but Jesus appeared to him too. He is an apostle. And if James did that, he'd be lifting up Paul. But more importantly, he'd be lifting up the gospel of Christ that Paul proclaimed. And James decided to take Paul's hand in fellowship lift him up as an apostle, and lift up the gospel of Christ. That kind of selflessness, that is a sign of a strong faith too. Years before that, James was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a letter to his fellow Jewish Christians. These Jewish Christians were suffering. They were suffering from hunger. They were suffering from persecution and temptation. And some of them were also suffering from this apathetic kind of faith that said, the way you live your life doesn't really matter because God forgives you anyway. And James wrote to these Christians to encourage them to rejoice, to even cherish in persecution and suffering because God was going to use it to build their perseverance and and make their faith even stronger. He wrote and encouraged them to pray boldly, with confidence, to live humbly. And most of all, he encouraged them to put their faith on display for the world, to prove that they believed in Jesus by living according to God's commands. What a faith this man had. His faith in Jesus was so strong that the Christians in Jerusalem could see it so clearly that they chose James to be their head pastor or their bishop of their whole church in Jerusalem. And at that time, Jerusalem was the strongest center of Christianity in the world. It was an amazingly strong faith that St. James had. A faith to lead in Christ, to instruct in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, a faith that fed the hungry, and a faith that died full confidence that he was headed toward heaven. A remarkable faith that God gave this man. And now... That's enough of that, (laughs) because St. James, if you go back farther in his life, you find that he didn't always have such a strident, fervent faith in our Savior Jesus. In fact, for a long time, St. James didn't have any faith in Jesus at all, and it's not very hard to see. Now, this St. James we are talking about is almost certainly the half-brother of our Savior Jesus And they are half-brothers because they had the same mother, Mary, but they were conceived very differently. The Bible says Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so he was born perfect, without sin. His brother, James, on the other hand, was conceived by Mary and Joseph. And so St. James was born the way all of us were. He was born sinful, and he was born without faith in God. And it stayed that way for a long time. Because in the Gospels, you find James and Jesus' other brothers actually accusing Jesus of being out of his mind. You find James and the rest of Jesus' family at one point actively trying to block Jesus from carrying out his ministry. And sadly, in today's Gospel, you hear Jesus say this, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, and in his own home. So, Saint James, Jesus' own brother, did not honor him, which in this context means he did not believe Jesus claimed that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. Why would James disbelieve that? Dishonor Jesus. Well, as we already mentioned, James was born like the rest of us. He was born sinful He was born without faith in God. But there is another way to look at this, too. Why James would look at his brother Jesus and not see the Son of God. Because Jesus was just a little too familiar to James. It would be so easy for James to look at Jesus and see just another one of his human brothers. Just another member of his family. He could look at Jesus and see a kid that Joseph had to teach how to use a hammer and a saw. He could look at Jesus and see just another brother or sister packed around the dinner table eating and drinking just like everybody else. He could remember his brother who walked and talked just like everybody else when they were a kid and now he's an adult and comes along and says he's the son of God. Right? Well, it sure didn't look that way. Why could we conclude That's a reason for James not to believe. Well, Jesus' entire hometown of Nazareth treated him that way. When they looked at Jesus, they saw just another guy, just another human being who grew up like the rest of them in Nazareth. Jesus entered his hometown and taught in their synagogue. As a result, the people were amazed and said, Where did this fellow get this wisdom and these miracles? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas his brothers, and aren't all of his sisters here with us? Where then did this fellow get all of these things? And they took offense at him. Taking offense in this context means rejecting, (laughs) disbelieving Jesus' claim to be the Son of God. In his own hometown, Jesus Own hometown folks looked at him and saw some kid who grew up just like all the rest of them there in Nazareth. And can you hear kind of the the ridicule, the derision in their voice when they call Jesus this fellow? Carpenter's son, regular guy from right here in Nazareth. And sure, he says some insightful things and it looks like he can do miracles, but there's got to be some other explanation for that because he's just some fellow, just another guy. In Jesus' own hometown, they looked at him and they saw nothing special, just another man. And according to Jesus' own words, it wasn't just his own hometown that saw him that way. It was the members of his own home, including James. So for a long time, James did not have that fiery faith in Jesus. In fact, he didn't have any faith at all. So what happened? Well, the short answer is that the Holy Spirit changed the mind of St. James. The Holy Spirit gave James faith to look at Jesus and see more than just some fellow, more than just some kid who used to sit around, him, sit around the dinner table with him, more than just a human brother, but the Spirit changed his mind to look at Jesus and see also God's own Son. And in time, the Holy Spirit strengthened James' faith to the point that he put Jesus, the Son of God, ahead of everything else in his life. He strengthened the faith of St. James so that James would feed and build up and teach and lead and unite and finally die for Jesus without wavering in his faith. When exactly that faith began, we don't know. But we do know one very important thing that happened along the way, that helped to strengthen St. James' faith. You remember St. Paul, the new apostle, whose authority James confirmed. Paul wrote this. Brothers, I am going to call your attention to the gospel that I preached to you. You received it, and you took your stand on it. You are also being saved by that gospel that was expressed in the words I preach to you, if you keep your hold on it, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's St. Peter, then to the twelfth, After that, he appeared to over 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Now there were lots of guys in Jerusalem named James, but the fact that Paul does not specify which James he is talking about makes it very likely that he is referring to the most famous, the best-known James of all, which is... Jesus' brother, the Bishop of Jerusalem, the same brother of Jesus who at one time did not honor Jesus, did not believe that he was the Son of God. And then Jesus appeared to James, risen from the dead. And why would that propel a person's faith to the pinnacle? St. Paul writes later in that same chapter, in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by a man, the resurrection of the dead is also going to come by a man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ they will all be made alive. Jesus' resurrection means that everyone who trusts in him is also going to rise in glory. Jesus' resurrection means he's going to call us out of our graves and we are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, body and soul, together. But Jesus' resurrection also means that he has to be who he says he is, the Son of God. Now he is a man. He is our human brother. But he is also God, who was born under God's law, under his commands, to keep it perfectly in our place. And Jesus is our human brother, but he is also God who died on the cross to take away the sins of the whole world. He is also God whose sacrifice brings us back to our Heavenly Father in peace as his dear children. When you see Jesus risen from the dead, then you see him for who he really is. Not just some fellow, not just a human brother, but the Son of God. The Son of God who saves you from your sins and the Son of God whose resurrection guarantees your own. You see Jesus risen from the dead and you see someone who deserves your full and fiery and fervent faith. Today we are asking Jesus to give us the same kind of faith that he gave to St. James. Now remember, James started with no faith at all. The Holy Spirit changed his mind to see Jesus as the Son of God and then the resurrected Jesus appeared to James and strengthened his faith to that amazing level. We also began with no faith at all. And the Holy Spirit also changed our minds to see Jesus for who he is, the Son of God. But sometimes even we who see that Jesus that way, who trust in him, we sometimes also treat him as someone very small, as just some fellow? When our worship becomes sporadic, our prayers fall silent, when we fail to prove our faith to the people around us, the way that we live our lives, what is that other than treating Jesus Christ as just some fellow, treating him as someone very small? Even Jesus' followers can fall into that sin. So today, we pray and ask Jesus to give us the same fervent faith as his brother, St. James. And we ask Jesus to do it for us the same way that he did for James. We ask the risen, the resurrected Lord, to show himself to us. We are not challenging Jesus to walk through the back doors of the church and make a physical appearance to us the way that he did for Peter and James and Paul and the 12 and the 500. Of course, that was an amazing privilege that they had, the ability to lay their own two eyes on the resurrected Jesus. But the truth is that Jesus appears to us, the risen Jesus appears to us in a way that is even more certain than that. Because our human eyes can play tricks on us. They can deceive us. But the Word of God cannot play tricks on us. And it never deceives us. When you look in the Word of God and you see Jesus Christ risen from the dead, you know for certain that He lives. And when Jesus comes to you on the altar with His own body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, you know for certain that He lives. And when you know for certain that Jesus lives, you also know for certain who he is. He is God's own son who deserves your full and fervent faith because he saved you with his death on the cross and his resurrection guarantees your own. When you see the risen Jesus then, you follow him with the same fervent faith as St. James. Like St. James, we look for the hungry and do whatever we can to feed them. Like St. James, we try to heal and unite Christians and bring them together in peace in God's word. Like James, we exalt Jesus and the message of his salvation ahead of our own importance and our own prominence. Like him, we pray boldly and we live humbly. We rejoice even in our sufferings, trusting that God is going to use them to make our faith stronger. And like James, we prove our faith with the life that we live. We strive to be faithful in every role that God gives us in this world and like St. James in the end, we die with full confidence that because Jesus rose, a resurrection is coming for us too. We pray, Lord Jesus, show us who you are and what you have done for us by showing us your risen self in word and sacrament and as you do, build our faith in you, amen.